Hey Forge family, in our last episode on 1st Peter, that was episode number 9, the Apostle Peter was preaching about house servants. Now these were men and women who were slaves, but they had been bought by owners of the homes and brought in and they managed the house of those owners. Uh, they, did, they were domestics. They took care of the books and the livestock and the banking and dressing and shopping and cooking, etc. Um, there were many, many of them who have been caught up and swept into the church with the message that, that uh, the Lord God loved each and every one of them and they had worth in his eyes. That was, that was mind-blowing to a slave because in the Roman Empire, they were a cipher. They were a zero. They were worth nothing more than to be expended, used up and be expendable. And yet here, this teaching of following Jesus said, I'm worth something. And they were, they were excited about that. Earlier I said, um, Peter was preaching. And if you recall, um, he, uh, he's pouring out his exhortation to these believers in the churches in Asia Minor. But someone was writing it down. And that would have been a secretary or an amanuensis. We believe uh, that it was Silvanus, a man who had accompanied the Apostle Paul on missionary journeys, who was highly educated and had excellent Greek. So Peter turns then, he says, such slaves and servants uh, would have made up a significant slice of churches that Peter was writing to. And his orders were, to the slaves, you be submissive with respect. Now, that's easy to do when you serve good and gentle owners. And it's very difficult to do for those slaves who had harsh, unreasonable, even deviant masters. Peter turns to an example, if you will. And he's talking about suffering when you do right. You know, the, the owner comes home, he's lost money at the, at the races, he has a hangover, he, his chariot broke, he had to walk home, he's angry, he's dusty, he's dirty, and, and, there's, and he just, whoever meets him at the door is going to get it. And sure enough, you did everything right as a slave, as a servant, and yet you are beaten just on a whim. See, and that's what Peter steps into. He says, he turns to the suffering for doing what is right. And when you do that in the right spirit, keeping, keeping a relationship going with God in the middle of that awful stuff, it says you receive God's favor. Peter then uh, points out to Jesus that Jesus, who was innocent, was falsely tried. He was beaten with fists. He was scourged and he was crucified. But he kept turning himself and, and, and appealing um, to the God who judges right. Over and over again, he turns and turns himself to God. And he's saying, here's your example. Do what Jesus did. Verse 24 talks about his bearing our sins in his body on the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Peter is saying, look, the point of all this suffering was... You, you're the beneficiaries. You inherit this stuff. It's been bought, it's been paid for with precious blood. And he concludes, Peter concludes with that sheep illustration. You were wandering like sheep, but then you turned 
and you returned and you came to the to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. All right, Forge family, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, the Forge family that are listening and those uh, others, uh, brothers and sisters who are listening in, um, Lord, they, they may have suffered this week. They may have done what's right and, uh, and taken, taken some shots. It may have been a hard week, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that they keep entrusting themselves to the God who judges right. And Lord, we again say to ourselves, uh, to remind ourselves, Lord, we need to keep coming, keep turning back to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. All right, Forge family, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We uh, get a chance to start a new chapter, and this is where Peter begins. Verses 1 to 6 says this, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And let not your adornment be external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Thus, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. All right, in verse 1, okay, Peter's addressing a huge problem in the church because women were part of that group of people in the Roman Empire who had no rights. You know, when they became married, they were expected to stay at home. They were expected to, to be part of keeping of the house in some fashion. And in this case, having just talked about the servants, you know, sometimes women had servants and some did not. Sometimes the women did all the work, okay? But they had no rights, okay? The men, they were out doing business. They were playing. Uh, they had profligate drinking parties, you know, the, the rank, raw, pagan idolatry. You know, and, and men were, in, they were unfaithful. There was lots of infidelity, okay? But there was no recourse for wives, it was as if they were owned. They were chattel. Okay? So in verse 1, Peter begins with the same phrasing, in the same way. Okay? Because it's in the same way that he's addressed slaves. Now he's addressing wives. He says to them, you be submissive. You rank yourself under. You arrange yourself in such a way so as to serve and, and honor your husband. Now, many wives came to Christ. Big part of the church that Peter's writing to. You know, they, they had found Christ and they'd rushed into the church. But many of them had husbands who wanted no part of it. Literally, the text says, those husbands would not allow themselves to be persuaded. They had set their jaw. Okay, and they were unpersuaded and they were belligerent about it. And so here's, here's you know, trouble in the homes with these women. And this is what Peter's addressing. Okay. Now I know in the in the empire it might be possible for a husband 
to, for a say, I'm going to convert to a new Greek mystery religion, or I'm going to start worshiping Plato. Uh, you know, you, you, know, you could do whatever you want. And the wife would come along dutifully behind him. But for a wife to choose to worship Jesus without the approval of her husband was unthinkable. Okay? Now note, both Peter and the Apostle Paul, both of them apostles, they are resolute in their statement that these couples are to stay married. Christianity was not about dissolving marriages. Okay? But it's also interesting to note what it is that here in verse 1, Peter doesn't say to these husbands, uh, to, to the wives about how they're to speak to their husband. Okay? You know, they are not, these wives are not to preach at their husbands. They're not to share deep things of the Lord with their husbands who are unbelievers. They're not to rag on their husband. They're not to try and drag their husband off, off to church. Okay? And they're not to withdraw from their husbands. They're to stay fully engaged as wife. Because then he turns and he says of them, so even if any of them are disobedient to the word, okay, that, those are the guys who just go, I am not having any piece of this. They may be one without a word by what? The behavior of their wives. Remember in chapter two previous, I don't remember the episode, but it's probably two back, where the, the church was being slandered by the pagans around them. And, and there was wicked, vile things that had been said about Christians. Okay, what did Peter say to them? You live a lovely life in front of them. And it will silence the slanderers. And it's pleasing in God's sight. You, do, you have a good life and you live it out in front of them. And it shuts them up. Now, husbands may be one without a word, one to Christ without a word, one into the church without a word, by the behavior of their wives. Now, note, the husbands had a vested interest here, because if you had a, a gentle, submissive, faithful wife, even if she was a Christian, that was far better than being married to a pagan woman who was the opposite of those things, who was not submissive or who, who quivered in terror, you know, the beaten dog sort of thing, or was unfaithful or was harsh, you know, who beat the slaves, etc. You know, it, it, there was a vested interest to have such a wife. And so the husbands had to, you know, the, the unbelieving husbands had to think about this. Okay, and then in verse 2 it says, as they observe. Obviously, that's what the husbands were doing. These unpersuaded men were watching closely. They observed and they tested. Obviously, that's part of what guys do. They test. They tested their wives as they were chaste and respectful. So chaste here is, yes, you know, they're, they're pure. They're faithful. They're sexually pure. Okay. Yeah, they're not they're not going, oh honey, and then they run off to their pornography. Oh honey, they run off to their romance novels, whatever it was. Not so. Okay, they were chaste. They were pure in heart. Okay? And they were respectful. They honored their husbands. 
Verse 3. Now, he turns and he says, okay, you're, you, you know, this is how you're supposed to operate, how you're supposed to behave, and here's how you're supposed to look. In verse 3, he talks about adornment that's external. Nah, he wasn't having any of that. He says, let not your adornment be external only. See, the culture, in contrast to the culture, okay, women spent vast sums of money and used up the time and effort of slaves to get beautiful hair and maintain it. And maintain it. There's a quote out of one of the Roman historians that said, women went to bed in terror at night that somehow in their turning and thrashing about a bed, they dislodged their hair and ruined the effect that they had. Okay? They, they, were, they were spending vast time and effort to have beautiful hair. They dyed it Okay, they curled it. Sometimes they, they you know, blonde wigs were very popular. Okay, they even found a blonde wig in the catacombs. And he's saying to these women, don't focus on your hair. Second, don't focus on flashy jewelry. In, in the kingdom, excuse me, in the empire, uh, the wealthy adorned themselves with, you know, comparable today, millions of dollars of pearls and rubies and emeralds. You know, they, they dressed each other in finery beyond what you would see today, almost anywhere today. And Paul said, don't even think about it. Now, Peter, Peter wants these women to get the fact that they're not to focus on the hair, they're not to focus on the flashy jewelry, See, here in Silicon Valley, you know, you've got women who show up wearing the five-plus-carat solitaire diamond, you know, that's a D-flawless white, you know, fabulous diamond. Okay, but it cost her fiancé two years' salary plus bonuses. Now, the question is, is she showing off her ring, or is she a showpiece for the husband? Okay, and then thirdly... Um, Peter says to the wives, don't get caught up in this business of the apparel, the changing of dresses three, four, five times a day, the, the exquisite fabrics, the silks, you know, the, the weavings. Um, you know, here in Silicon Valley, it could be the Manolo Blahniks um, heels and the Prado um, little clutch purse and the Chanel gowns, and etc., you know, not much has changed in the culture, not much in the terms of the pressure that is put on women to look a certain way, to do a certain, to appear a certain way. You know, and to the extent that now the, the counterfeits and the knockoffs of some of these things are uh, you know, flooding the market. The apparel, the apparel that those wives would have been pushed to wear would have been the equivalent of a gownless evening strap. Something that their deviant, depraved husbands would have appreciated. And, and Peter's saying, don't go there, my sisters. Don't get caught in that. Instead, look at verse 4, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. He, he turns and he says, all this exterior stuff is nothing. What you want is the hidden person of the heart, where where we are being made beautiful by the ministry of Holy Spirit so that 
our lives begin to shine. We glorify the Lord Jesus. So our adornment is supposed to come from within. The thing that makes us shine is supposed to come from within. Now, when Adam and Eve were created and walked in the garden with God, they were clothed with glory. They were glory people. They were light people. Okay, But then along comes the serpent, and there's a sin and a fall. And lo and behold, they look down, and they're naked because the glory departed. What was had been previous, you know, an expression of who they were, and it's shown all around them. Now there's nothing because inside they're dead. Now, likewise, Jesus, okay, who himself describes himself as meek and lowly, okay, is standing on the Mount of Transfiguration, and who he really is inside blazes forth in light. And he's transfigured in front of three disciples. And he is able to display in their sight who he was within himself. So too to these to these wives that that Peter is attract Peter is uh, is teaching, admonishing, he's saying, Wives, show the glory of Jesus by how you live. Out of that inner quiet place, with the gentle and quiet spirit, which God says is precious, which God says is costly, which God says is of great value, that gentle and quiet spirit, that, that, that quiet trust in Jesus, that begins to shine out of you. Not, how, not what you put on the outside of the body. It's what's on the inside that counts. Verse 5. There's another example for us to follow. Okay, Peter refers to the holy women of ages past, the former times. Okay, Holy is not uh, here, not used as if uh, you see the, the uh, Renaissance painters. You know, they, put, they put a pre-Renaissance painters. They put a, a halo around the holy women. Okay, That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about women who are set apart. They, they love the Lord and they're set apart to be wives to their husbands. And they adorn themselves with this same gentle and quiet spirit. And out of that precious place where they could fellowship with the Lord and they could grow up in him, they blessed their husbands. And turns to verse 6, he says, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. That's, a, that's the circumstance that... Genesis 18, where the Lord and some of the angels come, and they're walking down the road. Abraham says, no, no, don't pass me by. Come in, sit down, come in, have something cool to drink. Tell Sarah, go kill a calf, you know, make some bread. And, and the meal is underway, and the Lord and his angels are sitting with Abraham on the other side of a woven tent barrier. And the Lord turns to Abraham and says, this time next year, your wife Sarah will bear a son. And... On the other side of that fabric wall, Sarah is going, <laughs> she's cracking up. She's laughing. She's slapping her knee. She can't believe the humor of that statement. But even in the middle of that sort of denial, she calls Abraham Lord. Lowercase, it's not capital, 
Okay, this is lowercase, but it acknowledges him as her master. Okay? She honored him. Likewise, you wives, you see, you become her children. You receive her blessings and an inheritance when you do what is right. And then right at the end of verse 6, there's this little tagline that Peter knew something. Peter had information. Peter had, had been informed because he goes, Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right, comma, without being frightened by any fear. Uh, literally, that's um, without being terrified. So obviously, you have some homes with Christian wives and pagan husbands that are battlefields. And some of those husbands raged because their wife had converted and had loved Jesus. And some even threatened divorce and murder because they were husband's rights. He could do whatever he wanted with her. There would be no trial. He was within his rights if he did those heinous things. And Peter addresses it and says, what do you do, ladies? You do what Sarah did. What do you do, wives? You go for the hidden person of the heart. And then, when you're doing right, you stand firm in your faith in Jesus. All right, verse 7 says this. You husbands, he shifts. Six verses on wives, because they were, they were the ones who were between the, the rock and the cactus pad in that culture, in those churches. Okay, Now we have one verse for husbands. You husbands, you believing husbands, he's addressing husbands that are in the churches. You husbands likewise. Oops. That word likewise goes right back to what he's just taught the wives. Likewise means you too have to have that imperishable quality of gentle and quiet spirits. And you likewise have to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the hidden person of the heart. And in that hidden person of the heart, those husbands were being ministered to by Holy Spirit and, and they were being transformed within and, and shortly, their lives were going to glorify Jesus, too. They're going to shine, too. So, when he says, you husbands, likewise, that's exactly what he's, he's looking back over his shoulder. He says, this applies to you as well. You live with your wives in an understanding way. You, know, you, you step out of the culture around you that has women slammed into a back room and silenced Instead, okay, you live with her with understanding as with a weaker vessel. Now here, the weaker vessel reference is purely physical capacity, physical strength. The text, it's, it's clear that that's the reference, okay? Simon Kistemacher is a man who says this is not referring to a weaker intellectual abilities in women, in wives. It is not weaker moral courage in wives. It is not weaker spiritual strength in wives. 
His brothers, husbands, some of you will discover your wives will excel you in these areas. So stand up, you guys, and lead. And you lead from the heart. You lead from the inner quiet place where worship and honor and obedience takes place in the inner man. And, and then he says for the husband, grant her honor. You know, you basically set apart a place of honor for her in your heart and mind. You open up a place that's never been there before in, in the hearts of husbands. You honor her because she's a fellow inheritor in Christ of the grace that flowed from the sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. You're a brother in Christ. She is a sister in Christ. Equal inheritors of grace. So you honor her. And then at the end of verse 7, there's another one of these little taglines. As if, again, Peter's been informed. He has an insider's, you know, he has insight into what's going on in these churches. End of verse 7 says, After you grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, comma, so that, husbands, your prayers may not be hindered. It reflects back on what he just said. If you don't have an inner life, husbands, if you don't treat her gently, with honor, and as if she is a co-inheritor in Christ, and you wound her. This is what the, a theologian named Big says. He says, the size of the injured wife come between the prayers of the husband and God's hearing, unquote. Okay? If you just get a hard place in your heart towards your wife and you cut her off and you criticize and you judge and you don't deal with your stuff your prayers will be blocked and so I say to you Forge family and to the brothers and sisters listening I've, I've done that I've done that I have hurt my wife in such a way that I, my prayers have been blocked To which comes the shout that says, but God. Because then he stepped back in. And Janice and I are finding Jesus together in our marriage. Again. You know, that's the sweetness. God is a God of 2nd, 5th, 49th, 150th, 3 millionth restarts. Okay. So, Forge family, here in 1 Peter 3, Peter is describing Christian marriage with its reciprocal responsibilities. That concept, that teaching, and that lifestyle that exhibited that rocked the empire. It had never before been even posited, much less attempted. You see, you're talking about a three-stranded cord. The man, husband, the wife, and Holy Spirit bound together in the midst of marriage. Now, the result of that is transformation in the marriage, transformation in the home, transformation in parenting, transformation in the marketplace, ultimately, transformation in the Roman Empire. 
Forge family, you know, those of you who are wives, those of you who are husbands, and those who will be wives and husbands, those who want to be wives and husbands someday soon, that hidden person of the heart is where you meet Jesus. It's where you are humbled. It's where you're restored. And it's where you begin to worship and glorify God so that you begin to shine. And by living out of that hidden place of worship and obedience, you will restore relationships. You will extend the kingdom of God. You will honor God most high. And you will transform this culture. All right, Forge family. I love you. We'll see you soon.